Hello and welcome into the Fantasy Loners League podcast. This is your host Wolfman27 and I'm here just by myself today to bring you your week four recap of what just happened in our league. So after we had a quiet week when it comes to trades, we did get a few that came in just a couple days ago. Let's start with the first big one here between Fisher Sports and Giambrosa. Before I get into the details of the trade, I just want to take us back, all the way back to before week one started, when Giambrosa had an unstoppable group of wide receivers. Julio Jones, Odell Beckham Jr., Antonio Brown. Giambrosa had nothing to lose. He had so many aspirations in the whole world ahead of him. He was surely going to become the champion of this league. No problem, right? Well, Antonio Brown, released by the Patriots. Odell Beckham Jr., traded to Coys. And now, in this trade, Julio Jones goes to Fisher Sports. So overall, we have Giambrosa sending Julio Jones, Zach Ertz, and Frank Gore to Fisher Sports. In return, he receives T.Y. Hilton, Joe Mixon, and Corey Davis. So what does that mean for each of the teams in this trade? Well, let's start with the easy one for Fisher Sports. Now he is the one that has an elite group of wide receivers. We already know that he has Amari Cooper that he got from the draft who has been doing pretty well so far through the season. Then through another trade, he acquired Tyreek Hill who should be coming back any week now from his shoulder injury. If he's even half as good as he usually is, he'll be a weekly starter. And now he adds Julio Jones, who could arguably be the best fantasy wide receiver. Now, I know Julio's coming off of a down week, but that's not out of the ordinary for Julio. He might have a down week here here and there, but as we saw in the earlier games this season, he can explode and win a week for you at any point. So Fisher Sports is becoming a very scary team. But, like we mentioned the other few times Giambrosa's lost receivers, he still has a pretty decent set of receivers on his side of things. So he adds T.Y. Hilton, who I know is going through a quad injury recently. Hopefully that'll pass soon enough, because T.Y. Hilton is already having a career year. I know there's probably regression that will come, but he has been getting a touchdown, at least one, in each of the games that he's played in. If he can continue even half as productive, T.Y. Hilton will be a really good asset for Giambrosa to go along with the other receivers on his team, which include Golden Tate, who is now coming back from his suspension. He starts off with a rough matchup against the Giants, so he might not be producing immediately for Giambrosa, but that is a good backup to have in this case with Daniel Jones starting. Those receivers in New York are becoming pretty interesting. He also has Allen Robinson, the number one receiver for the Chicago Bears. It doesn't really matter if Trubisky or Chase Daniels, the one throwing the ball, they're both relatively the same talent level, if you ask me, but maybe I'm biased because I'm a Packers fan. Either way, Allen Robinson has been seeing a lot of targets through these first four games, and having a number one receiver that's getting a lot of targets is never a bad thing. So we've got Golden Tate, Allen Robinson, T.Y. Hilton, and then who else do we have? Well, he still has DJ Chark on his bench, who is the second-year receiver in Jacksonville that has become 
Gardner Minshew's favorite, and he looks like he's going to continue to break out as the season goes on. So I like that for him, and he also has Philip Dorsett, who had an off week against the Bills defense, but the whole Pagers team had an off week. Philip Dorsett has had some big games already for the Patriots, and if they don't add another receiver, he will still be a weekly option to play as a wide receiver three or a flex for Giambrosa. And then he also adds Corey Davis. So here's the problem with Corey Davis. It's a problem called Marcus Mariota. One week, Mariota might have a good game like he did last week, and Corey Davis benefited from that. But more often than not, Mariota's not going to have a good week. Corey Davis is a good receiver. So is A.J. Brown for that matter. But there's a reason why none of us have picked up A.J. Brown yet. And that's because Marcus Mariota is the guy throwing the ball to him. Now, that being said, it's not like Giambrosa has to start Corey Davis. But it's another asset that he'll have just in case anything were to happen to any of his other receivers. Or maybe he can be included as a part of a trade as an additional piece to help convince someone to put them over the edge to agree to a trade. But that's just the wide receiver side of things for Giambrosa. He also goes on to add Joe Mixon. Now, I know the Bengals are a pretty bad team, and they have a terrible offensive line, but Joe Mixon is still one of the better running backs in the league. So Giambrosa knew that running back was his problem, and he went out to make sure that he could correct it by getting Marlon Mack in the previous trade and now getting Joe Mixon, which he'll need since Marlon Mack has been dealing with another injury. Going back to the Fisher side of things here, Fisher adds Zach Ertz, who he doesn't really need considering he has Darren Waller, but that'll be another great piece of trade bait for anyone that needs a tight end. In fact, he's already placed Zach Ertz on the trading block. I'm sure he's sent out plenty of offers trying to acquire more pieces for his team. In addition to Zach Ertz and Julio Jones, he also acquires Frank Gore, who is still seeing a good amount of work in Buffalo as their running back, but it's nothing too exciting. So reasonably, you can expect Fisher Sports to be looking to receive another running back in a trade, which actually segues right into the next trade. Between Fisher Sports again and yours truly, Wolfman27. It was just a one-for-one one trade where I traded away Wayne Gallman, who had a great week filling in for Saquon Barkley. In exchange, I finally got Terry McLaurin. As you know from listening to previous episodes, I love Terry McLaurin, and I've been trying to get him from Fisher Sports, and I finally was able to do so. Now, I know that there's a lot of questions about Terry McLaurin with who's going to be the quarterback throwing to him, but I think that... He, being as talented as he is, will be able to thrive in some of the plus matchups. That being said, I also needed some help at wide receivers, considering that Devontae Adams got injured with the turf toe this past week. And I'm a little in a little bit of a pinch here. It'll be tough to try and justify starting Terry McLaurin coming off a hamstring injury and facing a tough Patriots defense. But currently, he's the only option I have unless I can get another trade or another pickup from the waivers. On the other side of things, I just mentioned how Fisher Sports was in need of a running back, and he got one with Wayne Gallman. Wayne Gallman's got a tough matchup against Minnesota this week, but he'll fill in nicely because we know he's the only running back worth owning in New York right now, and he got a lot of work against the Redskins last week. I don't think Fisher Sports has quite done wheeling and dealing quite yet, so keep your eye out for recent activity because I'm sure he has more trades in the works. Now, this last trade was a little bit of a head-scratcher. 
Giambrosa was involved in another trade here after giving up Zach Ertz. He went out to go and get himself a new tight end. So Giambrosa received George Kittle from Tedro. In return, Tedro received Adrian Peterson, Rex Burkhead, and Nelson Aguilar. Now, at first, I could see this as Tedro trying to address his running back depth problem. He has Nick Chubb and Todd Gurley, who are both solid starters to have at running back. But really, behind them, there was no one. So this is a way to get Adrian Peterson, a guy that's not very fun to own or to start or to put into your flex position or anything like that, but it is a guy that's guaranteed to get at least some work so that on Chubb's bye week or Gurley's bye week, he can have someone he can start. I liked the addition of Rex Burkhead because we've been seeing him do pretty well in both the running and passing game for New England. But what really makes this a head-scratcher is because this trade put Tedro over the roster limit, he actually ended up dropping Rex Burkhead. So that's what makes me a little bit confused about why he would give away George Kittle. Maybe it was because he was 0-3 with George Kittle in his lineup and Kittle hadn't been producing as much as he had hoped. But you can't think that Jack Doyle will end up doing much better for the rest of the season for Tedro. Maybe he knows something we don't. Maybe he has inside information and George Kittle's actually hurt. Maybe he knows who the next big sleeper tight end is and he's got that in his back pocket. I'm not sure, but Nelson Aguilar goosing him with Deshaun Jackson likely back soon for the Eagles. Not too excited to own Aguilar either. We'll see how this one plays out. We've been wrong before. But for now, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Giambrosa wins that trade. But anyways, that will do it for trades for the week, so let's just move right along into the matchups of week four. And let's start off with our last undefeated team, Fonette at 4-0, taking the win over Giambrosa, dropping him down to 1-3. So let's start by looking at Fonette. Once again, one of the top players for Fonette was that New England Patriots defense who put up the team-high 25 points. His kicker wasn't too shabby either, with Greg the Leg getting him 13. Other than that, Mike Evans put up another solid week, but everyone else was a little bit underwhelming. That didn't matter too much, considering that G. Ambrosa put up barely any points, with a total of 59. You heard that right, 59. So the Patriots defense alone almost put up half the amount G. Ambrosa's entire team put together. Let's just look at what happened there. Starting with Tom Brady only getting 4.7 points. This was because, like I said a little bit earlier, the whole Patriots team didn't do too well against that Bills defense, which looks like it's for real. The Bills could actually end up being a really good competitor in the AFC. One could even argue that they could have won that game against the Patriots. Remember, the Patriots had a special teams touchdown in that game, and they only won by six. Uh, next up, we got Marlon Mack at 3.9 points only against Oakland. Obviously, going up against the Raiders, we were all thinking Marlon Mack would have a better game. This had to partially be due to the fact that he has an injury. That's a little bit concerning for Giambrosa, but we know he already addressed that when he went out to go get Joe Mixon. Then we had Adrian Peterson, who only had a whopping 2.8 points against the Giants. Julio Jones had a down week against the Titans defense, putting up only 7.3 Nelson Aguilar, briefly mentioned earlier, goosed him with zero points. D. 
DJ Chark, 6.4. Zach Ertz, 10. Philip Dorsett, 2.9. Gostowski, 4. And the Bears defense, 17. What's interesting about this matchup is that both defenses for the teams were the team's highest score, which means it wasn't too thrilling of a matchup, but Fonette did what he had to do and really cut him a little bit of slack. He put up an insane amount of points last week. He's allowed to take the week off, especially if he's still going to get the win taking the week off. As far as the sleeper awards go this week for this matchup, Giambrosa won below expectation by missing their projection by 45%. Giambrosa also easily had the lowest score on the week. Meanwhile, Fonette's New England Patriots, for another week here, has become the best defense of the week. Not much else to talk about in this matchup, so let's just move right along and we'll go to... The closest matchup on the week between Adam Jeffrey and 404 Found. Going into this matchup, Adam Jeffrey changed his team name to Peaked in Week 4 in hopes of having another blow-up week much like his performance from Week 1. Unfortunately for him, that did not happen and he fell victim to 404 Found's team losing in the closest matchup of the week. 4-4 found is now 3-1 towards the top of the league records while Adam Jeffrey falls to 1-3. What's interesting is this is another matchup where the best performer for each team was their defense. The Seahawks defense earned Adam Jeffrey a total of 16 points and the Pittsburgh Steelers earned 19 points for 4-0-4 found. The usual culprits were the best performers for 4-0-4 found with Pat Mahomes and Dalvin Cook leading the way. Luckily for 4-4 found, Pat Mahomes only got 18 points, but he was still able to escape with a victory here. Unfortunately, on the other side, Deshaun Watson falls below expectations again for Adam Jeffrey, scoring only 11.6 points. Same side of that coin, DeAndre Hopkins only got him 5.6 points. This stack was supposed to be fun. It was supposed to be exciting. Well, turns out when you have a terrible offensive line and don't just feed DeAndre Hopkins the ball... I guess both don't do too well. There is good news ahead for Adam Jeffrey, though. He's got the Atlanta defense next week for the Texans, and then the Texans face the Chiefs the following week. you got to feel like that Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins stack is going to be on fire for the next two games. Hopefully, that'll be enough to carry this team out of the hole and combine that with the fact that Melvin Gordon's back. Melvin Gordon's back. Schedule's getting a little bit easier for the Texans. Adam Jeffrey might go on a little bit of a winning streak here, but maybe I'm getting too far ahead of myself. I'm just trying to see the silver lining for our fellow Kansas City member here. On the other side, 4-4 Found has had a really solid year so far. He's only lost one game, and Pat Mahomes and Dalvin Cook have been doing Pat Mahomes and Dalvin Cook things the whole way. The whole team as a whole is solid. They did have a down week with nothing too spectacular happening, but I'm not too worried about this team going forward. One thing I will mention is on the bench, 404 found did have Cortland Sutton score 21.2 points. Flacco seems to like throwing to Cortland Sutton, and there have been rumors about Emmanuel Sanders being on the trade block, so that could work out a lot in favor of Cortland Sutton and 404 found. But that's enough with this matchup. We had no one really blow up in either one of those games. So let's just go on to the matchup between Sam Fran 23 and Koi's 302. He did it. He finally did it. Sam Fran gets his first win on the season over Koi's 302. And it wasn't even close. 
117.58 to 70.72. On top of that, Sam Fran won the Best Manager of the Week award. And you could see why. He got off to a really fast start on Thursday night with a great performance by Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones. And then he didn't let up when it came to Sunday where he got another solid performance from Mike Thomas, who Teddy Bridgewater only knows how to throw to Mike Thomas apparently, and they're always for like two yards, but it's enough to put up a solid fantasy day at least. That'll hold him over till Drew Brees comes back. He also got a solid performance again from Derrick Henry. And then on Monday night, just to keep the points coming, James Conner put up a massive 22.5 points just to add insult to injury for Coys. So things are finally starting to shape up for Sam Fran 23. As much as he likes to paint the picture that his team is hopeless, I think he has brighter days ahead and he could be another one to watch out for from this 1-3 team pack that we have going on. On the other side of things... Coy's had a disappointing week. Nothing really came together. Suffice to say, it's not a great week when your highest scorer is your kicker. Matt Prater earned him 15 points on the week. Delaney Walker had a really disappointing game, scoring only .9, and Odell Beckham Jr. only got 3 points when the Browns put up 40 against the Ravens. That's so annoying. Jarvis Landry blew up on my bench, but we'll get to that later. How can you not be throwing Odell Beckham Jr. the ball when you're putting up 40 points? Things are also pretty scary for a lot of the key players on Coy's team. Juju Smith-Schuster only had three points against the Bengals. The Bengals! Supposed to be one of the easiest teams to put points up against. Now James Conner did his share. He had a huge night, so they didn't really have to throw the ball too much. But it's still concerning to see how Juju has been performing with Big Ben out for the season. You gotta also be a little bit concerned about Stefan Diggs. This was probably one of his best weeks on the season so far, getting over 100 yards against the Chicago defense. But the Vikings haven't been throwing the ball. Maybe things will start to spark a little bit. They got the Giants this week, so that's another good matchup for Diggs. If he can get two good performances in a row, maybe that ball gets rolling. Maybe we can start to get something out of Diggs. But to have two of your best receivers have that many question marks is not a good thing. And then you add in that one of his other starting running backs, Sony Michelle, only got 6.3 points against the Bills. And Sony just has been touchdown dependent all year so far. You gotta hold on hope at this point that they're just saving him for later in the season and that they'll start to use him more in the closer matchups. Luckily for Coy's, he's got plenty of chances to do so with the Redskins and the Giants coming up in back-to-back weeks. Those are plus matchups for the Patriots. Maybe we see Sony Michelle start to click. On the bright side of things, Ronald Jones had a great week against the Rams defense. If they could just commit to Ronald Jones instead of throwing Peyton Barber into the mix every now and then, Ronald Jones would be a great asset to have. On top of that, he also had a great performance from Jalen Samuels on his bench. Now I know, it's the Bengals defense, who cares? But we saw a lot of Jalen Samuels playing from the Wildcat position, throwing the ball even though they were just little, tiny passes. It was still exciting to see and makes Jalen Samuels a really valuable handcuff. Anyways, I want to move on to this next matchup, which looked to be a really exciting game between our highest point scorer, Deep South Thrift, and Fisher Sports, one of the last undefeated teams going into Week 4. Well, it turned out to not be too exciting. Deep South quickly returned back to his ways, putting up the highest point total of the week once more, getting 155.19 points, blowing Fisher Sports out of the water 
for Fisher's first loss on the season. So let's just see what went right for Deep South Thrift. He had the QB of the week with Lamar Jackson putting up 26.48 points. Christian McCaffrey also blew up for 28.9 points, and Austin Eckler put on a performance for what's likely his last game as a big part of that Chargers offense. He had a great showing of 26.7 against Miami. Something that was a little bit disappointing was even with all the other wide receivers falling to injury around Keenan Allen, he was only able to muster 7.3 fantasy points against that weak Miami defense, but Austin Eckler more than made up for it for Deep South here. So there's not much to say. There's really not too much that's going wrong here. We know that Austin Eckler is going to see a little bit of a drop in value with Melvin Gordon coming back, but that shouldn't hurt Deep South Thrift too much because his team is just still solid all around. Watch out for him. I know I don't want to be facing him anytime soon. On the other side, right before the game, we had Fisher Sports pick up Ty Long, the kicker for the Chargers, and he was the kicker of the week, getting 16 points total. Other than that, it wasn't that great of a week for Fisher. His Cardinals both put up just over 17 points each, which isn't bad. But other than that, no one was able to break 10 points. It was an off week for Fisher, though. We know that he had some injuries he was dealing with with T.Y. Hilton, and Terry McLaurin both having to miss the game, and then he traded them away promptly after. But we all know that he's got way better days ahead after those trades he just made. He might be a little bit weak at the running back position, but if Damian Williams can come back, all of a sudden it's a completely different story. I'm not too worried about Fisher Sports because if things start to go wrong, you can bet that he's got another trade that's just around the corner. In our penultimate matchup to recap this week, We've got Tejo versus No Sleep tonight, where Tejo was finally able to get his first win on the season. That's right, no more winless teams. We got a load of one and three teams, but no one's winless at least. Tejo put together a great performance on the back of his running backs, Nick Chubb and Todd Gurley. Nick Chubb was the running back on the week, getting 37.8 points which is probably the reason why Odell Beckham didn't have that great of a game is because they didn't need him. Todd Gurley got 22 and a half points. Hopefully he's finally unleashed. Hopefully the Bucks putting up 55 points on the Rams and beating them is enough to wake up the Rams and realize they can use Todd Gurley. You will win if you use Todd Gurley. Jared Goff needs you to use Todd Gurley. At least that's just how my mind works with it. I've got Todd Gurley in one league, and I've got Jared Goff in another league, so I'd really appreciate it if they would just feed Gurley the ball. Although his running backs had an excellent day and sealed the win for Tedro, the wide receivers were a different story, where none of them were able to score above five points. Julian Edelman had a tough game against the Bills defense. All of the Patriots did. We know Julian Edelman is solid and will be great going forward. Calvin Ridley, for the second week in a row, had a bad week. Hopefully things are better around the corner for Ridley. I wouldn't be too worried considering that Julio Jones right across the field from him also had a bad week this week. They'll look to get things right against Houston. And speaking of Houston, Will Fuller, 3.8 points. You know, if things have been bad for DeAndre Hopkins, you can't imagine they've been any good for Will Fuller either. And a lot of that has to do with Deshaun Watson holding on to the ball a little bit too long behind a terrible offensive line. 
Hopefully Houston can get it together so we can see production from great wide receivers like Hopkins and Fuller going forwards. A lot like I mentioned with Hopkins, Fuller's got some great matchups coming up against Atlanta and the Chiefs. He could easily blow up in either one of those matchups. Now at tight end, Jack Doyle put up 10.2 points, which is okay, but you can't really rely on Jack Doyle, which again is why I'm a little bit confused as to why he had traded away George Kittle coming off of his bye week. But we'll see how that works out for Tedro. Things are going in the right direction now, him getting his first win. On the other side of the field, no sleep tonight, loses and drops to 1-3. and three. Now, it doesn't help when your starting quarterback is named Kyle Allen and only gets you 3.28 points. But good news, De- Devontae Freeman finally showed up, getting 14 points. So even though both of the Falcons receivers had a bad week, Devontae Freeman had a pretty decent week. Hopefully, things will start to look up for Freeman. He's still seeing the majority of the shares in that backfield. So production is bound to come when you're seeing a lot of touches. Just look at Leonard Fournette. But unfortunately, Zeke was a little bit disappointing. He got 13.5 points, which isn't bad, but it's not what you want to get from your superstar running back. And then Adam Thielen, 1.6 points. For the same reasons, you're scared for Diggs, you're scared for Thielen. That team just does not want to throw the ball. Kenny Galladay and Cooper Cup, though, were excellent, both scoring over 20 points. How good is Cooper Cup? Cooper Cup's amazing. So he was one of the best receivers in the league before going out with his ACL tear last year, and he's picked it right back up. He's one of the top five receivers in fantasy scoring this year, too. Keep an eye out for Cooper Cup. If things get desperate for no sleep tonight, maybe we'll see Fisher Sports go and add Cooper Cup to his roster. Just kidding. But it has been a rough couple of weeks for No Sleep Tonight. He still has a pretty balanced team overall. Zeke turns it on if Devonta Freeman can keep turning it on. And then he's got receivers like Galladay and Cup blowing up like they've been doing. He can start getting some wins too. There's a lot of 1-3 and teams out there. You can see some of these start to break away from the pack in the next coming weeks, and they can make themselves viable competitors. It'll be really interesting to see how this middle portion of the season starts to work out. The last matchup we have here was between myself and JDGG. So I actually won the worst manager of the week, and that's just because, like I mentioned earlier, Jarvis Landry was on my bench who got 20.7 points, and I also left Wayne Gallman on my bench, who was the RB Benchwarmer of the Week, getting 24.8 points. Who knew? But even though I was the worst manager on the week, my team was able to put together one of the higher scores, getting 139.9 points. That was led by my streamer, Jacoby Brissett, was able to get three touchdowns against the Oakland Raiders for 23.5 points. Leonard Fournette had a big day at 25.5 points, Devontae Adams had a big day as well with 23 points. Now, I mentioned earlier, Devontae Adams got turf toe after that game. So after he finally shows up, he goes down with an injury. So I'll probably be without him for at least this week. We'll see if he comes back after that matchup against the Cowboys. But for now, I'll have to use some other options at receiver. Fitzgerald disappointed a little bit this week, as did Philip Lindsay. Robert Woods came out of the woods and got me 22.9 points. 
So happy about that. Hoping that'll continue. Keep throwing the ball to Robert Woods, please, Jared Goff. I beg you. I know Cooper Cup is so good also, but just spread the wealth. Evan Ingram didn't have that great of a day. I'm not worried about Evan Ingram going forward, though. He's still one of the best tight ends in the league. And LaShawn McCoy put in a decent day against the Lions as well. Overall, I'm pretty happy with where my team's at. I feel pretty balanced. My biggest concern is Devontae Adams with his injury. I'm hoping that when he does come back, that he's fully healthy and he's able to perform at the same level that we're used to seeing him perform at. And I'll just have to make some moves to help with my wide receiver depth a little bit here. But I'm kind of liking the mix of running backs I have currently and where I'm going forward. On the other side, JDGG has been busy with the board exam, so I'm going to cut him a little bit of slack here. His team did only score 108 points. And it included him starting Mike Williams, who actually was out for the game. I know JDGG's been busy, but uh, Chris Godwin did his best to make it up for him. Chris Godwin was the wide receiver on the week, scoring a massive 35.2 points. And Chris Carson showed up again with 16.5 points for JDGG. The Wills, Will Disley and Will Lutz, also each had a great day as well. And the rest of the receivers, though, were really, really bad, combining for a total of one point between DK Metcalf, the aforementioned Mike Williams, and Meikle Hardman. But you have to figure there are better days going forward for JDGG as well. Saquon Barkley is already appears to be doing well, progressing to get back from his injury. People even speculating him as back as early as this week or the week after. I doubt it'll be that soon, but it's good to hear that he's recovering that quickly. He's also got that Seahawks backfield locked up between Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. Seahawks will continue to run the ball until they get sick, so that's always a great option to have at running back. Where I would be a little bit concerned are these rookie wide receivers, DK Metcalf and Meikle Hardman having bad weeks. They're rookies. They're going to have bad weeks here and there but hopefully they'll start to break out a little bit more and become a little bit more consistent. But I'm sure JDGG wishes he had a little bit more of experience depth on his team behind those receivers. Another area of concern is Miles Sanders because it's a full-on committee in that Eagles backfield with Jordan Howard blowing up in that game. Miles Sanders is still definitely the most efficient between the two, but they're going to use Howard and Sanders both. You just got to hope that Sanders will have some of those big days going forward. That'll do it for those week four matchups, though. So let's go ahead and take a look at the standings really quick to see where everyone's at after four weeks. We've got Phonet at the top sitting at 4-0. And behind him, we've got four 3-1 teams. Those teams are Deep South Thrift, who is still the highest point scorer in the league, 404 Found, Fisher Sports, and myself. We've only got one team at 500 at the, with a record of 2-2. Two and two. That's Koi's 302. And then we've got six teams at 1-3. Six teams total will make the playoffs in this league. Half of the league is sitting at 1-3. So even though 1-3 is not a place you want to be sitting at, half of the league is in that same position. So literally anyone can still make the playoffs right now. It's so close together. And even though... We've got five teams that are three and one or better. Anything can happen with between injuries or just a losing streak here or there. This league is still up for grabs. I'm loving it. I'm really hoping that I can stay competitive. I'm happy I've got that three and one start. My only loss was to Fisher, but I'll get him back in the playoffs. 
Okay, last thing to go over for today's episode will be the free agent waiver claims that went through this morning. Our top bid was Jordan Howard going for $19 to Giambrosa. So after that huge performance from Howard, Giambrosa wanted to make sure he got a piece of that. And now Giambrosa's running backs looking pretty solid altogether. He's made a good, he's made great moves on the waiver wire. You got to give Giambrosa credit where credit's due. And in doing so, he's also out of fab now. So if you're making a trade with Giambrosa, not a bad idea to offer him some fab. Might be a little bit enticing for him. After that, the next highest bid was Geronimo Allison going for $10 to Fisher Sports. And I was upset about this one. So with Devontae Adams being sidelined, Geronimo Allison is a great pickup. He's got the familiarity with Rodgers, and he's going to be on the field for most of the snaps, you have to figure. He already had a pretty good showing against the Eagles, and I just, I really like the pickup. I'm jealous. I was outbid. I only put up $6, but Adam Jeffrey had outbid me with 7 anyway, so there was no way I was getting him. In the same vein, we have No Sleep Tonight picking up Jimmy Graham for $9. Jimmy Graham is also going to go up in targets. We saw it on Thursday after Devontae Adams was out. Jimmy Graham was the only guy they were throwing to in the red zone, it felt like. I love the addition of Jimmy Graham here. He's going to be one of the better tight ends as long as Devontae Adams is out. Sam Fram added Cole Beasley for $8. This was Adam Jeffries' guy who he cut just before game day to pick up Inman, which Inman had an okay day for Adam Jeffrey, but now he's on the IR, so it really didn't amount to much. And Beasley has been that safe possession guy for Josh Allen. So I like the pickup. Bills have a pretty easy schedule going forward. So that's a good addition for San Fran's team. Giambrosa adds Jameis Winston for $5. So after the dismal performance from Brady, he figures he'll go and add Jameis Winston, who's been able to put together two good weeks back-to-back now. No Sleep Tonight adds another tight end in Chris Herndon for $5. Chris Herndon is coming off of the suspension, and Sam Darnold is coming back to the Jets. And Sam Donald has liked to throw, to throw to the tight end in the past. So I like the addition between Chris Herndon and Jimmy Graham. No sleep tonight is making sure that he's going to shore up that tight end position. Adam Jeffrey picks up Auden Tate, wide receiver for the Bengals, for $3. Great pickup. Jeremy Ross will be out for a little bit with an injury. And Auden Tate is going to slide right into that wide receiver two role for the Bengals. And we know that the Bengals have been throwing a lot with Zach Taylor as their coach. So it's a great speculative ad there by Adam Jeffrey, and they're going against the Arizona Cardinals defense, which is not that great this week. Adam Jeffrey also adds Antonio Callaway for $3. So Jarvis Landry is going through concussion protocol currently. He may end up missing Monday night's game, which means that Antonio Callaway will likely see more work during Monday night's game if he breaks out. Maybe they start using him more going forward. I like that as a stash pick. Then we just have a few defenses being added where San Fran gets Carolina Panthers defense, No Sleep adds the 49ers, and Jeffrey gets the Titans. And last but certainly not least, Fonette adds Jamison Crowder for $0. Again, Jamison Crowder saw a lot of catches when Sam Darnold was playing. So with Sam Darnold coming back, I like that ad a lot, and he got him for free. And that will cover all of the action from week four. I know it was a slightly shorter episode, but I figured I'd cut you guys all the breaks considering how long my last episode with Fisher Sports was. We went on for almost an hour and a half, so I didn't want to wear you guys down too much. I also wasn't able to get a guest on the show today, as you know, 
but I am looking to keep scheduling people to come on for future episodes. So if you're interested, please send me a message when you're available and we'll try and get you on the show as soon as possible. Uh, Other than that, we've still got our DFS action going on between me, Adam Jeffrey, and Deep South Thrift. If anyone else wants in on that DFS action, send Adam Jeffrey a message and he'll invite you to be added into that head-to-head contest. It's completely free. It's just a fun thing we like to do on the side. I want to brag a little bit about it because I did come away with the victory in our little head-to-head last week, and I'm looking to try and make that two weeks in a row this week. Other than that, Good luck to everyone in week five. We're a quarter of the way through the NFL season, which makes me a little bit sad, but thanks for tuning in. This is Wolfman27 signing off. See you all in the chat.